Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Life in Madland podcast. So I thought I'd start off today uh, talking about the idea of teachers going back to school potentially on June the 1st. Um, it's something you will have seen a lot in the news. Um, if you're a teacher yourself, you'll obviously have a lot of opinions on it. And um, I'm not going to go massively in depth on it because I tend to avoid talking about kind of politics too much on a public platform just because it can become quite negative, I think, particularly with the situation at the moment. But definitely just a few kind of uh, brief ideas that I would share on on the idea of going back. Um, So first of all, I do really miss school. I really miss my class. I really miss my colleagues. I miss teaching. I miss actually going into the school physically uh, rather than being in the house. Um, I miss the routine of it. I miss pretty much everything about school apart from marking books. Marking books is really boring. Uh, That bit I don't miss. But the rest of it, absolutely. Uh, The reason I say that is because I do feel like the right-wing media um, is kind of trying to imply that the only reason people don't want to go back is because they're nice and comfortable at home. And that's not the case. I want to go back because um, I you know, love teaching, essentially, and I do really miss it. However, and this is quite a big however, um, my main reason against it is there is no way that you can socially distance when you're in a room with young children. It is going to be impossible, and it's not going to happen. For many different reasons um first of all you can't teach a two meter distance at all times you need to check children's work um you need to work closely with them it's it's just not really doable Uh, the second reason is because the children aren't going to socially distance particularly the younger ones so i work in key stage one in a year two class um it's possible when i go back um because of the children that will be coming back first of all that i'll have children even younger than that possibly even reception age children and they're not going to fully understand social distancing and they're not going to fully comply with it it's just not in their nature to keep a two meter distance from their uh, teachers and from their peers and the other kind of obvious reason uh, that social distancing won't be happening in the classroom is just the space you don't have the space Uh, my classroom is very small lots of teachers will be in in the same situation and I mean I don't know how many children we're going to have when we go back but you I feel like even if you had say six children I feel like to keep everyone two meters apart would actually require quite a large space to do so it does feel a bit like asking teachers to go back and teach children is kind of going against all of the rules that the government is suggesting suggesting that we follow. Um, you know, s- stay safe, um, stay away from others, keep a two-metre distance, but 
we're going to put teachers in a room with a group of children. It just it it doesn't kind of follow the uh, the protocol. It seems a little bit like you know if it was something that might be fun, um, like meeting up with friends or um, meeting up with family, having a, a bit of a get together absolutely no that would be really selfish thing to do you can't possibly do that it'd be really dangerous yet we are going to put you in a room full of children um you know how how is it any different It, it just doesn't make any sense i can't go and see friends or family but i can be in a room with a group of children all from different families in a fairly confined space it's almost like saying the coronavirus you know uh, it will get you if you socialize but don't worry as long as you're working you'll be fine it's just it's it's very strange um but then the flip side to that is i do understand that um you know it does have to end eventually we can't go on indefinitely not being at work eventually we do have to go back um there was, you know, there's probably some people. It could be months and months and months in the future, and, and there's some people would, that would still be saying we shouldn't be returning to work yet, which which isn't really realistic. It just to kind of sum it up, you know, it we maybe maybe are going back a bit too soon. Like I said, I really miss my job, and in some ways, I, I can't wait to be back there. But then. I have serious doubts, particularly when it comes to socially distancing in a classroom with children. I just kind of don't see it happening. Um, so that's just some of my thoughts on uh, on us potentially going back on June the 1st. At the end of the day, um, it's the government's choice, really. They get the final say. We've seen that... Um, there's been so much confusion over the coronavirus, but uh, I think one thing that we could probably agree on is that most of us have done what the government have told us, the vast majority of us. Obviously, there's people that have broken the rules, but generally we're doing what's asked of us. And if we're asked to go back to work and told that, that we need to go back, then the vast majority of us are going to do that. Um, one of the things that I've been doing during lockdown is something that I've always been interested in anyway, is spending a lot of time reading and watching YouTube videos on unsolved mysteries. I used to think I was weird for saying this, but there's so many uh, series based around this kind of idea on Netflix now that everyone talks about that I feel like it's pretty commonplace, really. Um, there's one YouTuber that I recently discovered called Lumino. I recommend watching his stuff spelled L-E-M-M-I-N-O and that most of his videos are on kind of unsolved mysteries and he does it quite well and um, it's something that I've been reading about for a long time watching videos on for a long time and there's certain ones that really stick in my head as being especially interesting so I've picked out a couple that I'm gonna talk about there's ones that just really stuck in my mind, and I'll explain why with each one why they particularly stuck in my mind. And uh, you might want to look them up yourself afterwards. You might want to let me know of ones that you're really interested in that you think I might want to look up. 
I um, particularly find interesting unsolved murders and unsolved uh, missing persons cases. I think particularly missing people because someone murdering someone and getting away with it, it seems kind of believable. Somebody just disappearing off the face of the planet and no one knows where they've got to, that is, um, you know, still well especially now actually quite shocking and surprising particularly with um how much easier it is to track people these days than it used to be so it's amazing that it still happens uh, but the first case i thought i'd talk about is and with both of these lots of you might have heard of them before um but the first one is the case of elisa lamb so she was a canadian student who went to stay in a hotel in LA and she went missing. I think she was missing for, I'm going to say, weeks. It was only discovered where she was when guests at the hotel started complaining about the water. I think there was an issue with low water pressure and also the colour and the taste of the water. So they sent someone up to go and check the water tanks of the hotel. And in one of these water tanks, they found Elisa Lam's uh, naked body, obviously deceased. They also found in the tank her clothes, but she wasn't wearing them. So Elisa Lam had bipolar, which is something that you read about quite a lot when you read her story. But when they did the test on her body, there were no hallucinogenic drugs found in her system. Uh, When I explain the last footage of her, that'll make more sense. And also there was no sign of physical trauma. So it wasn't obvious that she had been murdered or how she had been murdered. Um, The reason that this one has most stayed in my head is because of the last footage of her alive. So as far as I remember, there was only one camera in this hotel that she was staying in, and it was in the elevator. And in her footage, so you see her in the elevator acting very strangely. First of all, she uh, is pressing all the buttons, trying to get it to work, and it's just not working. She then, uh, she does this a few times, she peers out of the elevator and looks around as if she's looking for someone. Um, If you were to guess, she looks quite fearful, so maybe to see if someone is following her. She then um, tries to hide in the elevator, so she backs herself up against the wall and uh, kind of near to where the kind of control panel is. Um, so that you wouldn't be able to see her through the door. Um, She then uh, goes out of the elevator and she's kind of gesturing with her hands and her arms and it appears at one point as if she's maybe talking to someone. You can't see the person that she's talking to, but from her body language, that's how it looks. And there's other strange things about it as well. She at one point is moving her arms in a very unusual manner to me it almost looks as if she's trying to um kind of touch something that isn't there i i don't know 
And then eventually she walks off and it's only after she walks off that the elevator seems to start working. So she walks away out of sight of the camera and then the doors close and then it's going up and down. If you watch this footage of Elisa Lam's last, uh, the last time she was seen, it's there's just something very unsettling about it, especially when you know the story behind it. And there's so many unanswered questions about how she had got up onto the roof. Um, there was some fire ladders to get up there, but I think it would have involved climbing out of a window, then climbing up there. Uh, why was she in these water tanks completely naked? Did she take her clothes off and then jump in? Um, that seems kind of unlikely. It seems more likely that maybe someone else had taken her clothes off and put her in there. Um, if she had gone in there herself, she would have had to have moved quite a heavy lid and then climbed in and then closed that lid back on herself. It's just a whole thing, very unusual. And as far as I know, it's it's never been fully explained what happened. Although I did actually see a YouTube video saying that when I was looking up today that said case solved. So uh, maybe it has been. I personally couldn't be bothered to watch a video. I was just I'm just basing this on things that I've read and seen about it previously. Uh, the other case that I find quite interesting and is stuck in my head is um, well, there's lots more actually this is just one of them is uh, the case of a woman called Rebecca Coriam I don't know if I'm saying that name right but she was a crew member on a Disney cruise ship and she also went missing the last footage of her she is wearing men's clothing that's clearly too large for her I think particularly if I remember correctly it's like a polo shirt but it's uh, you can tell in the, in the pictures it's uh, much too large for her. So it looks like it would probably belong to someone else. And she looks very distressed. Um, in one of the images, she has her head in her hands um, in a way that's looking like you might look if you were uh, crying into your hands or screaming into your hands or something like that. So when this happened, Disney flew out one investigator who came to look into the case. Um, if I remember correctly, if something like this happens at sea, which they were, it is whichever kind of local authority you're in that gets involved. So I think it was a detective from the Bahamas. Um, he got flown out via private jet by Disney. And he went onto the ship after it had boarded at the next dock. And he interviewed six people. That's one of the many unusual things about this story, because there were obviously thousands of people on this cruise ship. I'm going to guess probably hundreds that she had come into contact with, but he only interviewed six. And him and Disney basically came into agreement that she had been swept off deck five. This um, lady, so Rebecca Coriam, her parents were then flown out to the cruise ship. When they were on the cruise ship, they were shown footage by Disney and the investigator of um, her last seen images. And they were also given a flip-flop that was found on deck five, I believe, that they were told belonged to their daughter. This didn't quite tie up for them they didn't feel like 
it had been properly explained to them or properly investigated. So um, they hired their own private investigator and he found out a few interesting things. One of which was that on the day that she supposedly got swept overboard. Okay, it's going to be a slight awkward break in this one. Uh, basically, just as I was recording then, my uh, housemate got himself locked out and uh, was shouting my name, so I had to go and let him in. So you might be able to hear in the last bit of recording him shouting my name, but I can't be bothered to edit it out. I'll just leave it in. It'll probably be quite funny anyway. Um, but yes, so the pro investigator found out that for her to have got swept overboard while she was on deck five, um, the wave would have had to have been around a hundred foot high uh, due to the six foot high walls that were around deck five and due to the height of the ship. And yet when he looked at the weather reports um, on the day, there was no stormy weather. There was no large waves that had been um, recorded as having been seen um so it didn't really make sense that there'd be this gigantic 100 foot wave there to sweep her off the most suspicious thing i would say is that um the footage of rebecca coriam disney had said that it was from deck five which was obviously the deck that she had got swept away from but it turned out to actually be deck one that the footage was from and not only that, the original video had actually been cropped by Disney to hide the fact that it was from Deck One. And the other thing was the flip-flop that the parents were given and told it belonged to their daughter. They said there's no way it was her flip-flop for three reasons. One, it was the wrong size. Uh, another was because it just wasn't like anything that she would ever wear. And perhaps even stranger, it had on it, I think it was someone's name and room number that didn't match hers. Um, so lots of things there that just didn't add up. A journalist from The Guardian also went to investigate this. And he went on the ship himself. And first of all, he was told by a member of the crew that everything that they do gets recorded and every call they make gets recorded and in the last footage of her she was making a phone call disney said that they weren't able to find out who the phone call was to but this crew member said no all of our phone calls get recorded so someone has the tape they're just not giving it to the investigators and also he spoke to her girlfriend and her girlfriend revealed that it was on either the night of or the night before um the two of them and then a man had actually had a threesome which obviously hadn't been investigated that seems like potentially that could be quite a big clue as to what happened maybe why she was so distressed uh why she was walking around in uh, what appeared to be a man's clothing so again, a lot of unanswered questions. And the thing that I find the most interesting about this is why is Disney trying to cover it up? We know they're trying to cover something up because they cropped that 
footage of her and they lied about which deck the footage was from. Disney, obviously, a very family-friendly company. So um, it would suggest that whatever happened would be something that would maybe damage that image that they are so keen on keeping. So those are just two cases that I find personally quite interesting. Um, you might want to look them up, uh, find find out for yourself, particularly with that um, the footage of Elisa Lamb, the last known footage of her alive is, um, like I said, very unsettling, very strange. Um, and kind of on the theme of unusual things, I'm going for a bit of a, a different idea with my story today it's not a story that I've written it's a story that I'm just going to tell from memory uh, tell from my own mind something that actually happened to me it's got a slightly uh, kind of paranormal feel to it this story um, if you know me fairly well then you, there's a very good chance you've already heard this story and it starts off with myself at uni I end up being at uni for five years um, after the first year I changed degrees and then when I finished my degree I then did my postgrad um, teacher training to become a primary school teacher and I believe this was in my third year of uni so me and two of my friends we moved in to this massive shared house it was two big old townhouses that had been joined together and every bit of space had basically been turned into um, a bedroom so they could fit lots of us in there. And me and my two friends lived in the basement. There was actually five rooms in the basement, so there was two other people as well. So we moved in, and directly above my room was the communal living room. If you went into the communal living room, the way it was set up is that you would sit on the sofa, your back would be to the door, and you'd be facing the big TV that they had in there. And I started going up there quite a lot because I realised quite soon after moving in that for whatever reason, nobody else ever went into this communal living room. And the TV, I remember, had the full sky package, so you had all the sports and all the films. And in the days before kind of streaming services, when they weren't very commonplace, having the, the full sky package was quite a big deal, especially when you're a penniless student. So I started going up there and watching particularly sports, I think, quite often and just enjoying having my own space in there. But then what started happening is I would hear somebody walk into the room behind me when I would turn around, there would be nobody there. And I'm a fairly rational person, so I, I kind of told myself it's probably footsteps coming from above me or maybe to the side of me even, and I'm just mistaking it for sounding like somebody's walking into the room. But it kept happening, and it kept happening. So eventually I thought, actually, do you know what? it's creeping me out a little bit. I'm going to stop using the communal living room. In hindsight, maybe that's why other people had stopped using the communal living room. I don't know. So then I just started spending my time in my room when I was at home, which, as I said, was directly below the communal living room. I had a fitted desk that was attached to the wall, and that's where I would go on my laptop and do my work, things like that, do my writing. 
And then the same thing started happening. I would be sat at my desk with my back to my door and I would hear somebody walk in behind me. And then when I turned around, nobody was there. And this kept happening over and over again. And again, I was trying to rationalize it in my head. And I was thinking, well, it, it could be footsteps from above but I already know that nobody else really uses that communal living room at least not regularly so it seems strange that I kept hearing this and then one evening I was sat at my desk and I heard very clearly footsteps walking behind me and I turned around and of course nobody was there I had a kind of unsettled feeling this particular time I don't know why, but uh, when I turned around and saw that nobody was there, it felt almost as if something was there, even though I couldn't see it. But I decided to try and ignore it as best I can. So I went to bed as normal. And from the foot of my bed, I could see that space between the door and the desk where I felt like something had walked in and where I'd heard something walk in. As an aside to this, we had buzzers down to our rooms from the front door so that somebody could individually buzz you if they came to visit. And uh, the buzzer down to my room had never worked. I'd actually tried to fix it myself and been unsuccessful for whatever reason. It just wouldn't buzz. But anyway, I was in bed and I was looking at this area next to my door and I said okay if there is something there then give me some kind of sign that there's something there and the buzzer as soon as I said that started going off repeatedly and it sounded like an eh 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 like that repeatedly um this buzzer had never worked before and it never worked after but this exact moment that's when it decided to start working so I was a little bit kind of freaked out at this point. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll call my girlfriend. I had a, a girlfriend at the time called Emily who lived fairly nearby. It wasn't unusual for me to go over to hers to stay over or her to come to mine to stay over. So that's what we decided to do. Well, that's what I decided to do, sorry. So I got my phone out and I called her repeatedly and there was no answer so I eventually I just had to stay in my room and eventually I fell asleep the next morning I went to go and meet up with her and I relayed the story back to her and at the end I said so you know why on earth didn't you answer your phone I was really desperate to to come over and get the hell out of this room and she said but you didn't call me And I said, yes, I did. And I showed her my phone and I opened up my call logs. And sure enough, there was five outgoing calls I'd made to her phone all unanswered. And then she got her phone out and she showed me her call logs. And there was nothing on there to say that I had called her, even though it was clearly showing on my phone that I had. And uh, to this day, it's just a lot of coincidences at once. I remember when I... um, told Emily she was also quite freaked out um, especially when she saw that my uh, outgoing calls hadn't showed up on her phone I'm sure there's a reason uh, as to how that can happen I'm sure there's a reason as to how uh, the buzzer could have gone off 
at that moment when it hadn't worked before. Uh, I'm sure there's reasons to why it sounded like someone was walking into my room right behind me, but it, it all seems quite a big coincidence that they all happened at the same time. But anyway, that is a little bit different to how I normally do things. Uh, speaking of YouTubers, like I was talking about earlier, I might in um, next week's podcast maybe talk about some of my favourite YouTubers that are good to watch, keep you entertained during lockdown. And I'm, I'm not sure, I might write another story or I might tell another anecdotal story from my own experiences. As always, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, if if there's any kind of particularly interesting stories of unsolved mysteries that you would like to share with me that I could then look up, then feel free to let me know. But keep yourself safe, stay happy, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.